0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Deadly Diocese early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today.
1: You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast.
0: The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. Get started with your free trial at Wondery.com slash plus.
2: Part of it, God's grace is just enjoying what we have, you know. And so, you know, enjoying your girls, you, your house, you know, the time that we have, the bond, the closeness we share, you know, your mom, your family, you know. There's a lot of blessings here you got to thank God for, you know. Maybe I'd be a perfect blow, which you know, it's not too bad either.
3: That was Father Joe's voice you heard up top. We want to remind you to go to change.org slash justice for Father Joe and sign the petition to make John Flynn, Erie County DA, step down or reopen the investigation into Father Joe's death. One morning, while visiting Sue Moreno last, she pulls out a badge at the breakfast table.
0: You know, Greg, uh, this morning, uh, I was gathering some other information uh, for you to look at, and I have not touched this in over 10 years. It's Joey's badge, his chaplain badge from the Buffalo Police Department. And in in it, there's a blood-stained business card from him. This should not be. This should have never happened. Um, so I hope um, that people can feel the pain that our family has felt. in looking in the blood on the bloodstain business card that we always used to get such a kick out of when we would see his business card, um, and and know that he devoted his life to law enforcement and um, helping helping them, helping the fire department, helping anyone who um, needed help in, in this um, environment that, that we're in with law enforcement and why we are grateful that they put their lives their lives on the line and for their loved ones, um, please do the right thing so there's no more bloodstains on other families' loved ones.
3: Who is Father Joe? A beloved son, a beloved twin brother, a cherished uncle, and a friend to all. Father Joe spent 26 years as a Catholic priest, helping those who needed it most. Be it the poor, the elderly, the hungry, or the sick. Adult or child, Father Joe was there with a prayer, a pizza, and comforting words. Through his faith and compassion, he tried to make a difference in a world that can be cold and hard. He was a hero to mankind and to his country, serving valiantly after September 11th and the Clarence Center crash, 3407. When you think of Father Joe, do so with a smile. Remember his love of food, his love of family, and a world that was made a better place when Father Joe was in it. That's how Father Joe's niece summed up her uncle. We have become so close to the Morenos. Doing this for Sue and Joe Sr. has become our duty to share the story of injustice the Morenos have endured trying to uncover evidence proving Father Joe's death was a murder. Father Joe was a great man. Nothing makes this more evident than his call to Ground Zero on September 11th, 2001. Despite every flight in the country being grounded that day, Father Joe somehow was on a flight later that morning to New York City. He managed to make it past the last civilian stop on the subway and onto the pile, as it was called.
0: Um, it, as soon as we heard of what had happened, um, Joey called us and said he's going to New York. Um, he was chaplain. Um, he was going, uh, to, he was in the pit. Um, he asked us if we could take him to the airport. Um, we were not allowed to park the car. We really didn't, we weren't allowed to give him a hug and kiss. Uh, all we, we said we loved you, we were all crying, and we said, please come back to us. And um, it was very hard not, not hearing from him. Uh, he he was there with so many first responders um, from bringing food to rescue, to recovery. He was there. Um, that's actually how he met Derek Jeter because Derek Jeter went able, he went to Ground Zero. Um, how Jay Leno, um, he met Jay Leno. Um,
3: he was made NYPD police chaplain that same day and ministered to hundreds of first responders that needed spiritual guidance in the midst of 1.8 million tons of wreckage left from the collapse of the World Trade Center. Where to begin? How to continue? This is Father Joe in his own words from the book The Pride Factor. As I arrived in the pit, the floor of Ground Zero, on September 11, 2001, at 12.27 p.m., It was a scene of total destruction, chaos, human suffering, and pandemonium. For a few short seconds, I thought this scene was something out of a movie or the television show ER. But the screaming, the yelling, the blood, the tears, the human devastation, the smoke, the fires, the panic of people and emergency services was something that even Hollywood could not produce. The reality of this tragedy was too real. No sound effects or props could ever duplicate it. In my seven months of service at Ground Zero and in my work with families and counseling, I had an experience of transformation. The suffering and the experience of death that touched so many, that touched so many people In such a short period of time, transformed caregivers and all those involved to use their skills, their faith, and their human resources to bring hope and calm to the professionals charged with the responsibility of search and rescue and recovery. From police officer to firefighter to construction worker to EMT, all of whom were stationed at Ground Zero, all were concerned with finding life in the World Trade Center towers helping those in need of medical care, helping those who needed to be emancipated from the crumbling and broken debris of previously strong and daunting structures. It was incredible to see and know that each time one was going in to look for life or death. The fire, the smell, the chemicals, the black smoke was so thick and intense one could not see far. It was like taking baby steps and trying to find people to help. For one woman who was buried under piles of brick and steel beams, it was fate that she was found. She was eating a tuna fish sandwich, and the smell of tuna, through the maze of smoke and fire, allowed us to find her. She had multiple broken bones and lacerations. It was the first sign of hope after we had looked for twenty-one hours.
0: Just the details about nine eleven. When, when, and he said that that we knew about this um, longer than. This just didn't happen that the government knew that that this threat was happening and that something was bad was going to happen but i mean he has a timeline of ground zero um the attack on the united states how the morning unfolded uh, so he was privy when when all of this was given out so um, i mean detailed time eight forty six um from 9 it just is amazing um Five 5.20 p.m., damaged by the collapse of Towers Building Center, of the World Trade Center collapses. So he, he was there from the very beginning, and he didn't think twice of his safety. He didn't think twice for his family. This, he had to do this, and that's, that, that was always foremost. He had to do this.
3: I can't believe he was there by 12:30 on 9/11 at Ground Zero. It's just astonishing. And then he goes on to minister and, and be a priest for everyone at Ground Zero's and the families of victims for 7 months. Truly remarkable. And in the seven months he was at Ground Zero, Father Joe made such an impact on the heroic effort that he was personally thanked by President George Bush, New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, New York City Fire Commissioner Nicholas Scopetta, FEMA, the FBI, ATF, the Red Cross, and NYPD. While I'm not going to read all of the thank you letters Father Joe was sent, I do think I should read this one from the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. Dear Father Joe, on behalf of the Midnight Crew at Ground Zero, we wish to thank you for all of your visits and time you gave us. Your sense of humor and spiritual gentleness helped many of us and went a long way in allowing us to do our job with search and recovery. Also, the 9 course Italian dinner will never be forgotten by all of us. On behalf of your Midnight Crew friends from FEMA, the FBI, ATF, the Red Cross, NYPD, FDNY, we thank you for all that you did to help us. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, Father Joe, and please know we will never forget you during our time of need. As Sue shows us the multiple chaplain badges Father Joe was gifted, it truly blows me away the tremendous impact this priest must have had day in and day out at Ground Zero for months to be honored this way. He was a hero to the heroes. Sign the petition. Father Joe deserves it please it's easy change.org backslash justice for father joe if you've stuck with us to this point in the podcast please give us a few minutes and go sign the petition if you're listening to this podcast then chances are good you are a fan of the strange dark and mysterious and if that's true then you're in luck But after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad free on Amazon Music. One thing Father Joe was trying to expose 10 years ago was the abuse pawned off his tomfoolery going on at Christ the King Seminary, his alma mater. The diocese has been grooming priests of their liking into the Buffalo Club in an almost sort of hazing, frat, or sorority pledging that lasts years. Formation no longer appears to prioritize a man's ability to administer the Word of God, but rather how or will. They fit as a pawn in the diocese game plan. Years later, the scandalous behavior was still running rampant through Christ the King Seminary. And the two former seminarians who we heard from last week, Matthew and Stephen, are willing to go on the record and describe the culture inside of Christ the King Seminary before it was shut down in 2020.
1: Again, Greg, you got to understand, there is a understanding in Buffalo. It's been covered in the Buffalo news that any priest that is caught in a crime is just to be turned over to the Bishop and that's it. Now, Mr. Flynn's office was well aware of this. It was covered in the news. Uh, It was covered nationally. Um, There was attempted sex trafficking of me and other seminarians. And what Yeah. and what did, what did Mr. Flynn's office do about it? Nothing. Why?
2: Uh, the media does not want to pick up on that story. Does not The local media does not want to cover it.
1: There is no mention no,
2: of our lawsuits.
1: But I have not let Bishop Malone off the hook. And he has to answer no. for what he did and what he didn't do. Exactly. And Buffalo does not. Buffalo does not know of these lawsuits. Why?
2: Uh, specifically what the DA's office did to us with the malicious prosecution. So the lawsuit against Erie County in the city of Buffalo, that was never covered by the news. No. And the lawsuit was filed. And then suddenly it came to a standstill. And we have no idea if it's going to be resumed in the future. The only explanation is... Basically nothing. We have no idea. Nothing. Um, Flynn's accountability is zero.
3: So despite filing multiple Title IX reports, and after those were ignored, these two seminarians were apparently retaliated on with malicious prosecution from the DA's office where both Matthew and Stephen were authorized for arrest on a harassment claim from a diocesan official that never happened.
2: Seminary, we were stopped by Mr. Sherry's class. We were stopped after class, had an ad hoc meeting. It was a police interrogation, basically, because he's former law enforcement. He asked us in every single direction to try to trip us up. How did it get leaked to the news? We have no idea. I was the one that typed it up as dean. But other seminarians participated and added information in a, what they experienced at the pizza party. But he asked me specifically Who has access to your room? Nobody. Who has access to your computer? Nobody. What kind of computer do you have? I told him. Who has access to your passwords? And he was asking these questions forwards and backwards. It was Truly an interrogation. Well, he had multiple conflicts of interest when he was uh, teaching at the seminary. He was academic dean, former law enforcement. He was a Title IX officer, although they say Title IX doesn't exist, that the seminary didn't participate in the program because they didn't accept federal funds. He was a Title IX officer, uh, academic dean, class professor, and he was on the formation council to say whether or not a seminarian would go to the next step or to the next year or not.
1: I also believe he's an elected official in one of the suburbs of Buffalo. Yes. And there were, um, I believe a news, a news article about him, um, published in the Buffalo news and, um, It seemed as though um, Mr. Sherry uh, during this whole process um, was not interested in making the situation at the seminary safe, making the situation at the seminary right. Um, it was more interested in how did this get out now before. Uh priest uh Father Adams, had sent a text message to stephen uh and me wanting to meet and he called us in and he said so um basically what uh what are we gonna do um what are we gonna do when this gets to the media or
2: um yes, we have something to have along to the
1: route what are we gonna do when we get this this to the media or When it gets leaked to the media, like leaked to the media, like what are they, what are they talking about? You, you got to understand, the Diocese of Buffalo, a priest has come forward who had inside information and shared that the Diocese of Buffalo uses code names for victims' situations
2: yes, and, and our and, pizza um, party. Let me just situation. say that too. Um, When I was asked to compile that report and send it on to Mr. Sherry, the academic dean and Title IX officer, he told me specifically that he did not want that report emailed on the server. He wanted it sent by text to his private cell phone. I tried to do that, but it wouldn't go through. So ultimately, the report did wind up on the seminary server. But I thought it was odd that... Like, why don't you want this on the server? Something doesn't feel Uh, right here. And then when he came to asking the questions forwards and backwards, like, who has access to your room? Who has access to your computer? Who has access to your passwords? After, I don't know how long it was, nearly an hour of this meeting interrogation, finally I told him, Mr. Sherry, I have video cameras in my room. I have one in the bedroom part, and I have one over my desk. I said, I can assure you, no one has been into my room. And with that, he stopped the interrogation.
1: But now, it was the reason, ruined. now, we were warned uh, by a priest to put video cameras in our rooms. Right. To not be set up.
2: Because it it was common for uh seminarians, not just in Buffalo, Buffalo for sure, but it's common that if the seminary doesn't like a particular seminarian, they'll plant something in the room. You know, there's porn, there's booze, there could be drugs, there could be condoms, any of that kind of stuff. So Yeah, when I heard that, I was like, I'm getting one for my bedroom and one for over my desk in the other part of the room. I want them in both sections.
3: It was so commonplace at Christ the King Seminary to be blackmailed that seminarians were warned by a priest to install security cameras in their room. This is the seminary. This is where men called to God are supposed to train and study the word of the Lord and learn how to administer sacred sacraments. But instead, they are forced to look over their shoulder, watch their back, and battle blackmail attempts. There is nothing holy or sacred about these spoiled priests initiating good men on a quest for spiritual truth into their corruption.
1: Greg, if you could get down to the bottom of something, could you help us find out why There are named Title IX officers at Christ the King Seminary, and then apparently Christ the King Seminary doesn't participate in the Title IX program, why were we led or misled to give Title IX reports that end up going nowhere? Why was there a training program instructing us about Title IX? I filed two Title IX reports, and they've gone nowhere. And I asked my attorney at the time, he said, well, one of the two things that's happened, they lied to you about the program, and it just went nowhere, because it would have been actioned if it was, and it wasn't. So we were misled into thinking we had Title IX protections in reporting, when we didn't. And if we did, what happened to the reports? And these things that Mr. Sherry was seeing as a Title IX officer, aren't you required to report that yourself as an officer, knowing what's legal and what's illegal, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable? So you knew all of this. What'd you do about it in a Title IX way? And I believe even Stephen was denied a Title IX report by a Title IX officer.
2: I was. A licensed psychologist who was uh... On the formation team at the seminary, a priest, Father John Adams, licensed psychologist, Title IX officer. There was uh, some retaliation on social media after the pizza party uh, hit the news. And there was a diocesan employee that was making fun of seminarians who had the courage to come forward and say, hey, this was completely inappropriate, it was disgusting. When I brought that to Father Adams' attention and said I wanted to file a Title IX report, I wanted to get to the bottom of why a diocesan employee is degrading seminarians for doing the right thing, he waited three months and then responded to my request in email and refused to take it because he said I was the only one that brought it to his attention. So a Title IX officer refusing to take a Title IX report, everything in writing, absolutely
1: refused to take it.
0: So not only is that
2: responsibility.
0: As
1: a psychologist or a licensed doctor, you heard about attempted sex trafficking. Aren't you required to report that to the state? And what was done about that? I mean Bishop Malone again uh suspended the priest. They went, I believe, for some sort of counseling, slap on the wrist, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Again, in Buffalo, there exists an understanding that if a Catholic priest doesn't extend to anybody else, not any other faith denomination, a Catholic priest is caught in a crime, uh, they're to be turned over to the bishop at the end. Apparently, that's exactly what happens. Again, where's the separation of church and state? Where's the lemon test? How is this going on? How does this perpetuate? and more importantly, how does it come to an immediate halt?
3: And these Title IX reports, so despite the seminarians going through training on how to file a report and the seminary acknowledging having Title IX officers on staff, Matthew and Stephen's reports are ignored. And even countered with, the seminary doesn't participate in the Title IX program because it does not accept federal funds. So they will separate church and state when it backs up their argument.
2: It was not the diocese who requested that we not be able to uh, attend church or gave some sort of mandate that we were forbidden to go on church property. That was solely the district attorney's office. You know, and then I don't know, Pretty Matt, wild. if you want to mention about, you know, your particular exposure, which was, you know, severe.
1: Well, what I went to you is is the um, the dean a the, the students that evening, and um, the, my room was just totally trashed. Uh, the fiberglass, ceiling tiles, chunks of ceiling tiles just all over the place. And this is the time that... Just- the, all over. Dust, yeah, every all over my electronics, all over my equipment, all over my clothes. So the room was totally left um, a wreck. Totally disrespectful, and knowing that there's these renovations going on, and knowing that the rector's saying, "You know, this, this, these buildings are loaded with asbestos. It's costing so much money to renovate this building. These buildings are all built at the same time. You're telling me that this building next to us is is loaded with asbestos." What about this one as you're busting through the ceiling tiles? So I took a, a piece of the tile that was on the floor to a certified lab to have tested, and it came back positive uh, for asbestos. And I uh, brought that basically it was to the uh, seminary's attention. My parents brought it through their attention as well. And um, apparently records were not held on site, as they should have. My concerns were workers didn't know where asbestos was. Um, Former seminarians were renovating and doing uh, work on the seminary. And they know this and they're exposing them to asbestos. And there's even evidence of pipe insulation in my room you know being new or replaced, and uh, the state looked into that and said oh, this is this looks like new uh new pipe insulation well, the million dollar question is where's the old and who got rid of it and if you're doing abatement and asbestos removal, why are there no records of abatement held on the property as required and then I believe um Steven wrote and um there was an asbestos company that was going to come and do a uh, check of the seminary now the seminary is uh rented out for retreats children go in there um adults go in there and i'm like "If, if you're disturbing asbestos and you're exposing people to it and you don't know where it is like what's going on that's a problem and you're having students Do work in buildings that are known to have asbestos? And you have no abatement records and no history of abatement in this building that was remodeled?
2: This interim rector, after reporting the asbestos, he jumps out of an empty classroom at three seminarians. I was one of them. And snarls in our face like a dog literally like a dog and we're like what the heck is going on here
1: not just once this just, is once. just
2: bizarre twice, twice he did it twice
1: he popped yes at no inches like nose to nose and exactly. it was literally Argh. and i'm like what is with this guy so much so, so that before i went for the pizza party right so much so, went to class, and we just were like, "What just happened?" We discussed it in the class. We were just yes, with the growled professor. at. Yeah. The place was odd, to say the least, and um, abusive. And really, it was just a place for people to be groomed and take advantage of. It had nothing to do about formation, it had nothing to do about um helping you discern where God's calling you in your life. It, it was just this um location that yeah. the priest can do whatever they want to you. Um and that was made clear also by the rector. Again, and Stephen and I complained uh about this. Title Nines were filed, talking about sexual harassment, the sex trafficking had a conversation with father stack and father stack basically said in chapel with Stephen that Mm -hmm. these are the sort of things that you got to put up with if you want to be a priest. And there are two Mm -hmm. options. You either put up with it or you leave and you got to ask yourself. He said, are these the type of people that you want to spend the rest of your life around? And I said to Mike, I said, my God, that's probably the most truthful thing that he said to me, but he just gave me the option that I have to put up with it or leave. Not I'm going to make it better. Not that this shouldn't have happened to you. Not that I'm appalled by this. Let's get to the bottom of this. We're going to put an immediate stop to this. I'm sorry that this happened. Mm -mm. And then we were warned um, by Deacon that there are going to be consequences for reporting uh, what
3: happened at the pizza party. So that's what it boils down to. You either put up with it or get out. And it almost seems as if the Title IX training the seminarians received was just a red herring to encourage reporting only so they could intercept the snitching and retaliate.
2: But with the certified letter, return receipt, and I received a response that Christ the King Seminary does not participate in Title IX because they do not accept federal funds.
1: And yet, so they have why mandatory is title training.
2: Nine listed in the handbook.
1: Why, why are we have mandatory in- training? Right. Why are you offering mandatory training about how to file Title 9 Here's a list of the Title 9 officers. So, why are you misleading your students? And if you do have a Title IX program, what happened to the Title Nines that I filed? They apparently right. never followed up with why. Yeah, I want to say that if, if someone is in any, um, you, you know, any Catholic around any any church uh, around the country, um, if the church is not serving your needs. You are the church. You're a living stone. So when you see things that are not right, you have an obligation to step up, speak up, and make a difference. How could this situation be expedited? It's not waiting for the Vatican to step in. It's really quick. Stop putting your money in the basket until you see effective change. Do that for one week. You'll send a message. Do that for two weeks. You're going to get heard loud and loud and clear. Your church will change in two weeks. If you just stop putting your donations in the basket until you see effective change. Because your money is going to lawyers to I don't know, ports so victims don't see them. It's going to rectory table so a priest has an unlimited credit card that they can just charge whatever they want to eat and drink. No limit. Filet mignon, certain turf, booze. That's all being done with your money. And my message is consider Stop putting your money into the collection until you see active change for the better. You are the church. You are the living stones. The church is not just a brick and mortar thing. It's made up of real living people that have an obligation when they see something that is not right, that they stand up, that they say something, that they speak up for the marginalized, that they speak up for those that don't have a voice. And Father Joe's voice was silenced and I think the best way that we could commemorate Father Joe is by really taking a hard look at how we're responding as a community in the Diocese of Buffalo. And they consider not putting your money in the basket until there is effective change it'll happen in little as two weeks
2: Mm -hmm.
3: don't wait for the Vatican
1: you can do it and get results
3: in two weeks Matthew brings up a really good point here you know we mentioned that the best way to take out a cornerstone of a theocracy was through voting someone out of a public office aka John Flynn Well, that isn't our only approach. In the name of justice for Father Joe, and so many others abused by the Buffalo Diocese, it is the responsibility of all Catholics in Buffalo to decide if the church is upholding their accountability to you and your family. Have they earned the tax-free donation you were planning on giving this Sunday? And this Sunday, Father's Day, think of the Holy Father. Think of Father Joe. Think of your own dad. Would any of those men donate to a church masking the abuse, the bureaucracy, and the bullshit for decades? And we know with this diocese, cash is king. Maybe hold on to yours until we see results.
2: They're enabling these priests to continue, the diocese to continue, you know, their, their corruption, their abuse of really their authority of uh, preying on people and their finances. I mean, my God, rectory table they can eat and drink whatever they want. There is no limit. There's no accountability.
1: If you want to tithe, tithe. Give to another charity. Give of yourself. Right. Go spend time yeah, with the homeless. Right. Go get to know their name. Once you find out that the homeless person on the street has a name, the homeless take a different view for you. Once you find out that the victim has a name, they become real to you. Don't bury your head in the sand and say, well, this is not my problem. This didn't happen to my kid. You would hope that someone's gonna stand up for you, especially if you're marginalized and you're victimized. Because if you don't stand up, you're not doing your job as a Christian.
0: Prime members, you can listen to Deadly Diocese early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondry Plus in Apple Podcasts. And before you go, tell us a little about yourself by completing a short survey at wondry.com/survey.